We're kicking down this motherfucking door, and we're doing that. Let's get into it. If there's anything that could be haunted, for sure that fucking chair's haunted. Then again, the internet always wins. The internet always wins. Searching around about uh, this dog I found. Let's be frank, there's piss on the floor. Okay, welcome back for another week. Uh, three dudes in a dock. That's what uh, this is. And uh, this week we watched the Times of Harvey Milk, available to rent on YouTube uh, as well as uh, a few other places, uh, or you can buy it. Either one. But uh, as always, uh, I am here with Mitch and Christian. Hello, Hello. gentlemen. Hello. Um. So yeah. So uh, new week, new dock. Harvey Milk. I I didn't know much about uh, him as a person. I haven't seen the movie Milk with Sean Penn. Um, so I didn't know a lot about the whole situation. I didn't realize uh, that the mayor was assassinated with him. Yeah. So did you guys know much of the story before uh, going into this one? Um, I actually didn't watch the documentary, but I've seen Milk. It was a long time same, ago. Same thing, right? Same thing. Sure. I wonder how close it is. I haven't seen Milk either. Yeah. I don't really remember it, but I remember like I saw it when it came out. Yeah, I don't really know anything about Harvey Milk. I didn't beforehand, but I think this did a good job. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it came out in uh, what? Uh, 1984. That's right. Yeah. So a year before I was born. Uh, like two, de- I was two, two decades before Christian was born. It's a lot older than I thought. Um, for kids then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I didn't know much about Harvey Milk. I thought like he was just a uh, gay rights activist, which was fucking fire of this thing from the truth. Like he was an activist for everybody. Um, yeah. Which which kind of makes this even even worse, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the mayor seemed like a pretty decent mayor too, you know, sided on on the side of, or good side of things most of the time. Um which is just crazy to think of that uh, someone can just walk in, blow them away and that's <laughs> it. Good old USA. Yeah. His ingress was not so simple though. Like how how much of a giveaway is that that he snuck through a window and then put extra rounds for his pistol in his pocket. Like, I don't understand why that was necessary if it was no big deal and that firearm was registered. So, it, yeah. so yeah. So the thing is like, so um, for, for anyone who hasn't watched the doc so far, um, enlighten me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mitch here, this is what happens. So uh, <laughs> Dave, um, oh shit. What, what's his last name? Um, uh, Dan White, Dan White, yeah, I was saying Dave, yeah, Dan White, uh, was a councilman for lack of better words in San Francisco. They called him, um, um, apparently, I didn't watch it either. Uh, I'm just having a brain fart. What do they call, um, supervisors? Oh, they, um, yeah, supervisors, supervisor. yeah. yeah, so they basically supervisors a city councilman, um, 
So Harvey Milk was uh, elected councilman. Uh, so was this uh, Dan White. Uh, after 10 months, Dan White basically resigns because he says it's corrupt and he doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, and then after a few weeks or a week, he regrets his decision and realizes he needs to make money. He left a very good paying job uh, to work as a councilman for a not great pay. Um, so then they say, no, you can't walk back your resignation. Uh, the mayor has to appoint someone. So the mayor told Dan White, yeah, I'll give you your spot back. And then at the behest of um, Harvey Milk and other uh, councilmen, they said, no, he shouldn't have his job back. Um, you know, and then the mayor decided not to. And the day he decided not to, Dan White climbed in through a first story window at City Hall walked to his office, had an argument, shot him uh, a few times, walked all the way across City Hall, and shot Harvey Milk five times. Jesus. Yeah. And then Dan White goes to uh, trial. Um, the other prosecution, it didn't really show the whole trial, it just kind of glazed over what happened at the trial. Um, he had a full confession. The jury sympathized with Dan White because he was a Catholic white dude, I guess. I don't know. That shot a gay guy. Um, he definitely can't play that card in court today. So. No. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they char- they convict him of involuntary manslaughter. So he didn't mean to do it. It just kind of happened. Yeah, was well, that was literally one of the defense yeah. pieces. Yeah, it wasn't premeditated even though he had a gun climb through a window to avoid the metal detectors yeah and like christian said put extra bullets yeah. like yeah. this is just in case yeah the, he was carrying the gun to um protect himself he said yeah and other councilmen and other city politicians carry guns so that's why he was doing it man but like they have permits and it's no big deal and everyone knows but like that was one of the things that I was curious about was whether or not he ever had a pattern of carrying a gun to... He was a police officer before. I no. thought he was a fireman. And a police officer. Jesus. Yeah. This guy just can't get enough. Yeah. That'd be so, awesome if, as he was a firefighter, he still had a gun with him. So, like, oh, all right, dude. <laughs> He's like, I always need this. You never know. Some fucking uh, guy up in a town north of us uh, shot up the firemen when uh, they responded to his house fire. He started shooting at them. Yeah, like uh, he might have he might have killed someone, but I think he yeah, did. yeah. But, but, but uh, imagine if someone answered back with like a Mac Eleven or something. Oh, so another uh, line of defense that the defense attorneys were using was the Twinkie defense. They said that yeah, he straight was, up he was his mind was compromised from eating junk food and the Twinkies made him do it. Dude. Yeah. That's like basically crazy. (laughs) They treated it like as if it was like, um, a mental illness, like a real mental illness that this was the same as bipolar or like schizophrenia. Could they not just get some fat guy in that's like lived off Twinkies and he's like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Never wanted to kill anyone. Yeah. Just so, myself, slowly. <laughs> so, a 
the funny thing about Dan uh, White hot. is so weak. He yeah. he quits that and he opens up a baked potato stand like down at the pier. And it deems- wait, how much time did he serve? Ten months. What? Yeah. Oh oh, wait. jail jail. Sorry, five years. Oh yeah. Out of a seven-year uh, sentence, so he only got uh, sentenced to seven years and served five years. Uh, five years that, and then they thought he was going to be in danger from other inmates, um, so they released him, and then he uh, ended up committing suicide like less than two years later. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So basically, uh, Diane Feinstein, the um, president of the council. So she was president of the, um, um, the councilman, uh, mm-hmm. basically said, we don't want Dan white back in San Francisco. So they signed a, a paper saying that he was not allowed back in San Francisco. LA also tried to do the same thing. So he wasn't allowed in LA, wasn't allowed in San Francisco. Oh. Uh, then he ended up coming, coming back to San Francisco to try and work things out with his wife. And then that's when it fell through. That's when he, he ended it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of a that's a weird argument. His wife's just like, "Hey, you killed two people, so yeah. I don't. I'm not really down sleeping in the same house with you." Well, in some of the interviews that uh, took part, like that, people who were interviewed that in this documentary said, "You know, what, like if he hadn't have killed a homosexual man and just the mayor, he probably would have went to jail for murder and spent the rest of his life." Or got the electric chair. Yeah, it's hard to imagine, but it. Jesus. Yeah, <clears throat> that struck me because that's a really good, like, thought experiment. Yeah. Like, that's uh, probably fucking true. And like the craziest part, like, I even got a little bit emotional. Like, obviously, this was before I was born. Uh, since the documentary came out a year before I was born, um, but like. One of the guys interviewed in the documentary says, you know, they, they're having a candlelight vigil and they, he was coming, he thought he was late. So he just showed up right at city hall where they were supposed to end. And he saw 75 people. He's like, fuck, like 75 people. This is the only people that cared. They're like, oh no, no, the vigil's not here yet. It's still on its way. And they went and looked like walked two blocks and looked down the street. And it was like thousands and thousands of people, a whole street wide as far as you could see, uh, marching down that way. Um, yeah, which is crazy. Like, you know, obviously, you know, when you make an impact on people, um, that, that shows it right there. Right. Um, yeah, but that's uh, one of the things that, that surprised me about this was half of the doc. So the first half of the doc kind of takes a look of a little bit of his early life and, just a quick overview from the time he was a kid until basically he started to become a like a community activist or activist yeah like he was he was doing a ton of stuff for yeah. his neighborhood um and then halfway through the dock it switches to when he got elected that happened i think relatively quickly like in the mm-hmm. first 35 minutes for sure yeah. and uh i'm following he then I guess serves that as he, he lived, he was serving for 10 months or 11 months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, before he was killed, I, he served a little bit longer cause uh, um, 
Dan White quit after 10 months. Uh, and then I don't know right. what, yeah, I don't so. know what the time between him quitting and then deciding he wanted to come back uh, and then when deciding he couldn't come back uh, to to assassinate both of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question actually. It doesn't I don't think ever covers it in the doc. Um but so half the documentary takes place within 11 months and you kind of forget that all of the things that you're seeing him do immediately like as soon as that election day happened. I think the first thing that he did was um dog poo, like yeah. dog shit removal. That was his like the very first thing he did. Like it's just so simple, but it like one of the women in the doc said, like it just catches the public's attention and he had a knack for that. Yeah. But and then there on the rest of the movie, like more than an hour um is all in the span of eleven months, save for like a couple of weeks after right. he's assassinated for some of the followed. But it he just he packed so much into such a short amount of time that uh that surprised me because yeah. you forget that the day that he's elected and the day that he's assassinated is way less than a year well yeah. less than a year yeah that's wild um but yeah so like the the dog uh, poop thing that christian was mentioning is like he had yeah his first order of business the pooper scooper ordinance basically it was the law that you had to pick up your your dog's uh crap when you took it out for a walk and so, like, the crazy thing about that was, you know, he knew he was going to be on, on camera. So he got some dog poop, placed it to where he knew he was going to be standing. And just to prove a point, so he's doing his interview on TV and then steps in the, the poo that he uh, planted. And, steps on his mark. But, but just, like, to make a, a point on camera, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, people see it and it kind of made people laugh and, and people got behind him. And the other major thing he did was it was illegal for um, any uh, LG. Uh, I'm going to screw that one up. So any. You know what you're talking about. It's yeah. okay. Or who, not what. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Any closeted uh, gay person to get fired if they were to come out of the closet mm -hmm. uh, and be openly gay. Um, so at the end of the doc, like after he was assassinated, um, they're talking about, they're like, he made it safe for thousands of people to be who they wanted to be. Right. Like yeah. After that, like there was a bunch of, they were saying during the, uh, the March there was a bunch of people who came out and said to their friends who didn't know that they were, were gay. Hey, look, I'm gay. I mm -hmm. feel safe about it now. Um, I, I can't even imagine like having that, holding that inside and be like, well, fuck, I, can't say anything because I'm going to get fired from my job. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. But. Yeah, that is pretty nuts. And like, and we were looking up stuff on his Wikipedia and like yeah. when he was in the Navy and we were kind of laughing that it was like, how was it worded Christian? Like not honorable. Yeah. It was discharge. other than honorable yeah. discharge. And it was because the Navy found out he was gay. Yeah. So like, Oh, that was pre don't ask, don't tell uh, type of type of days. Yeah, so. yeah, but I was like, oh, I thought it was like honorable discharge or dishonorable. Like, I didn't know there was this weird, like, oh, uh, semi honorable. Get out of here. It wasn't even dishonorable, which was weird. I've heard of dishonorable discharge, but like, yeah. other than discharge, yeah, I that's think, so 
That's a new one. Yeah, I think dishonorable discharge is like if you do something illegal, if you um, yeah. yeah commit some kind of crime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that that's crazy. I didn't read that part. Um, but it's it's wild to think of like what he would have done if he had have had a longer career in politics. Like you said, oh, yeah. eleven yeah. months in politics is is nothing, and to do everything and become as loved as he was in eleven months. Yeah. Like, he obviously had some big political power. Yeah, yeah, he would have went on to bigger things for sure. Yeah. And like a pretty good planner too. Like he he worked for a lot of people in a way that it sort of is just almost inherently done now. But when he decided to do something, he not only considered if it was for like com- completely abled people, uh, but he he thought of basic ways to include like disabled people or people with like special needs and just naturally accommodated those people. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a question. So when he supported anything, he supported everyone. Nobody was left out. That's right. Yeah. It was awesome too, how they changed their local political system and it just, it was shocking kind of to see because it feels like most political systems stay the same. They change in minute ways, like going from paper voting to electronic voting. Um, I guess that's that's really all I can think of right now. But for them, they were not represented by bastions in their own community. Uh, they just had councilmen who oversaw the whole city together and they changed it so that each uh, each community or each neighborhood had their own uh, representative. Right. They just, I think they granulated it a little bit more and they allowed communities to speak for themselves collectively, politically, but it seems like a small change, but the, like the theory of political authority and justification and different kinds of political theory like it's an insane example like communism or uh, democracy or true republican uh a republic um this this is a minute change to that system and it was it was neat to see it in action because i've read a lot about it but this is a really great example of uh a more it, it was just experimentation in politics which maybe that's what i'm thinking of the whole time is that it that seems like something that's really difficult to to do to take that leap into making change especially a change like that because that's pure philosophy is there's nothing that you look to like there's no body of science really that's done for this like i know exactly that political science is such a thing but it's um it's difficult it's just simply difficult to implement those things because this is not uh this is like human consciousness it's not something that you can look to like biology or like physics or theoretical physics or thermodynamics like it's or even math or geometry it's just not the same thing we make it as a concept and then we deploy it to the world that we realize we're in and thus politics. It really is just 
nothing. It's conceived of literally nothing. As long as we all maintain the concept toward each other and we can describe it enough or aptly enough that we all know what is about to happen when we implement it. That's, I think, like the basis of it. But this was a great example of them manipulating that system to better suit their needs that they've discussed. For sure. Having the chance to do that is pretty sweet, but that, yeah, that it was a cool. great um, section of the, the documentary. I was fascinated. Yeah, and the thing is, if they didn't make that change, there's a chance Harvey Milk never would have become a councilman. Uh, he had oh, ran, th- he had ran three sure. times yeah. before. And so, yeah, like a smaller town, like, like where we live, you're like in Belleville, we have our city ward and Thurlow ward. Um, So there's two separate parts of the city. So you have your Thurlow councilman and you have your city councilman. Um, But in a city like Toronto or San Francisco, it makes sense to have people that represent like small pockets of, of the city. It's so diverse um, there's so many different um, groups of people in different pockets of the city. They don't all have the same uh, needs, the same requirements. Um, so, yeah, if uh, if all the councilmen are controlled by a citywide vote and, you know, Section A of the city has a larger population than Community B or C well, then they're speaking for these other smaller communities, right? Um, so for basically um, Harvey Milk's community, the Castro, um, you know, they they rallied behind him and said, you know, we want him to speak for us, where they didn't have that uh, luxury uh, years before. Um, which is What nice. was really cool about that section just before he was elected was uh, – the Coors Light um, beer boycott and yeah. slash strike that was happening in the 70s. Um, that guy who was a part of the labor union, yeah. he was a mechanic. Yeah. Um, he was he was talking about this. I think he was the only one that touched on it. It was just a small comment, but he said that uh, he, when he went to uh, Milk's like seminar or not seminar, I guess we're like meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to see what he would be like as a candidate because he's approached uh, this union. He said that he was pretty nervous and he was like, I don't know what I'm going to tell the guys that like, I think he said that a fruit was going to be our, our yeah. rep. He, our said, for this guy. he said he was surrounded by a bunch of fruits and kooks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. And, uh, but then he hears that milk, I think maybe not in reaction to, I don't think, but uh, just as an effort that succeeded maybe coincidentally, Harvey Milk got all the Coors Light pulled out of the gay bars, like the gay forward bars that yeah. he knew or wow. knew of or contacted. Cause there was um, like some pretty shitty corporate behavior happening at headquarters in uh, Colorado. And I think, there was some scuffle probably from the same union. So this guy heard about it through that. Uh, Cause I'm sure he wouldn't really care maybe if he heard about a scandal like this. So what they were doing at Coors was uh, setting up polygraphs and having particular interviewers uh, 
run the or conduct the interviews if you were Hispanic or Black or uh, of Asian descent or if you were gay, if they suspected you were gay, mm -hmm. you took your interview at a polygraph test, which they argued was discrimination. So uh, they started to strike. I think a ton of them started to strike because it was sort of unnecessary, uh, quite unnecessary, I guess. There's really no reason. Like a human being in charge of hundreds of people can't conduct an interview about one more person. It doesn't seem like it requires a polygraph, firstly. But um, so they stroke, uh, stroke, struck, striked. They striked um, at the plant and they had support across. And that was something that that auto mechanic was trying to do for a while was uh, affect uh, Coors Light uh, boycott. And they were unsuccessful, but when he heard that this Harvey Milk guy got it done, out of at least a demographic of bars mm -hmm. in San Francisco, um, he he's completely changed his mind about him, and he was really surprised yeah. that that's like he actually got it to happen. Okay. So I think he went to his his meeting or his next meeting. Maybe that was their first meeting, and uh, yeah, he. He decided to support him. Well, that's awesome. Well, that's that's kind of like one of the best payoffs of this documentary, I think. Um, so yeah, so when they first interview him, you're like, Jesus, why did they uh, include this guy in the documentary? Like, he, he seems like he wasn't a, a very big supporter of uh, anyone that was homosexual, and mm -hmm. uh, and then at the end when he's talking about uh, the uh, like the vigil, uh, the candlelight vigil and everything like that. And he's just mm -hmm. like, you know what? It's unfortunate that people still think, because he, he was talking about the jury, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he's saying it's unfortunate people still think the way I used to think. I'm completely like, it, it's not right, basically. Mm -hmm. um, people need to know that these people are the same as those people and everyone. Um, yeah. So I think that was kind of like the nicest payoff because fuck yeah, it's true. Like, and he was like a a man's man. Like he was, yeah, like part of the auto mechanics union, and um, you know, he was one of the guys that would probably sit around a a shop and 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 make gay jokes and, and stuff like that before. But it feels like now his whole personality has changed to kind of sympathize with uh, with people who are struggling. It is a good example. I obviously it was apparent to me, but that's yeah, that is a nice payoff because mm -hmm. it's not like you. It, it's not like you wouldn't expect it. You just like that is the definition of hope yeah. is that you fear you won't see it. Yeah. So I'm like actually seeing someone make that change or just just someone to change at least or describe it well on camera because yeah. it just it it feels like it happens so little, yeah. but. Especially at that time, because you said this well, came like 86? Yeah, 84. So that guy's long dead the now. New that this guy's like in his 80s or whatever. Oh, no. Yeah. He, he, was, oh, was, yeah. he was probably in his 60s in this. Uh, yeah. So that's, so. yeah. He huh. gone. Yeah, it was cool to see. And another dog that had that was um, uh, American Factory. I right. think it was called. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. I haven't watched that. Uh, yeah. one where they bought the yeah glass, the glass plant, plant yeah. the car like the auto glass plant. Yeah, in like mid 
west in the midwest somewhere or something yeah. they opened up a huge factory there and they brought over a bunch of um employees to to help get it going and sort of pump like uh, prime the system and get them going and uh so like in this small town of like 900 people like 350 chinese people show up to stay for like more than a year or two to get this plant changed over i think it was an old auto plant um don't yeah. know but and it was something to do with glass wasn't it yeah it was yeah. glass but i think it used to be an auto plant oh okay um, so it was like a relatively close change but uh one guy in there i think someone on uh like the management side because he was sent to china to i think have christmas or maybe it was a meeting or just a, like a, a meeting with the people, like the actual shareholders of the board of this uh, glass company. And while he's there, they're celebrating and having a, a dinner party, but a, like a, an employee dinner, a banquet. So he sees, I don't know what it is exactly, like the correlation is not super tight, but I think he's watching cho like choreographed dance marriages there were people in tuxedos and there was like women in fancy dresses and they were doing like matrimonial things uh so i i don't know whether it was that or something else just the food or the booze but he left <laughs> whew, the banquet and uh broke down hmm. like I am right now <laughs> christian can't handle his own stories no too intense um yeah no again it, it shouldn't be and that's a sad kind of part of this it shouldn't be such a good payoff but you're right you don't see that on camera very often yeah it, you don't see someone kind of go through and it's not like at the very start of the documentary he hated uh, uh gay people because he'd already gone through all this and and had that change but he kind of explains how he was before and you kind of see that he lays out his metamorphosis uh, mm. during the interview, um, which is great. Cause again, he's like an old dude. He could have easily said, Oh, I grew up in a different uh, era. I, you know, I, yeah. I just don't support that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he, he bucks that trend and, and comes through and, and makes that change. Um, and again, he, okay. he's not a huge part of this documentary, but it's one of, uh, one of my favorite parts. I think just to see that. Beautiful. Yeah. My favorite part, I don't know if it's like strange to have a favorite part, but what really cemented this as not just a good documentary, because I think it is a good documentary. Um, For sure. I, I found the story easy to follow and it was, uh, I think naturally sort of uh, like a, a positive classic underdog story and he does make that success and then <laughs> tragically it it ends in an assassination which is probably one of the most historical patterns i've ever seen so like it was just it, it was it crescendoed unfortunately like some epic story some kind of Achilles hitting the ground running and 
succeeding in that one small goal that he wanted, which really changed the course of history. Right. What out? What other documentaries did this director do? Um, let me take a look. Kind of nothing really. I mean, he did one called The Celluloid. I couldn't tell you what it's about. Maybe film movies themselves. Um, oh, yeah. He did one. I think he's he's only done like four or five documentaries and two of them have won academy awards jesus so he's this, like i don't need to do that anymore maybe yeah like, <laughs> he doesn't do that much work what's he's the like, other one that he, won? he's like the um the guy he's just so good at you know you win a couple things he's like well this is boring i'm too good at my job yeah. <laughs> he's like um, bo jackson he's like oh, i can play two sports at the same time no he, he's done okay. a t- he has 20 uh directing credits Oh, so, cool. oh, maybe I was looking at producing. Yeah, so he has The Word Is Out, um, The Times of Harvey Milk, The AIDS Show, uh, Common Threads. Common Threads was the other winner. Yeah, him. Stories cool. from the Quilt. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's done a bunch. Nothing that I really know. Like, uh, he did one, his most recent one, he has two of them in 2019. Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice, and State of Pride. Um, The Battle of Amphire was a short. Yeah. Linda Ronstadt had uh, a really, really good voice, and I think she had throat cancer, like of all things. Maybe she had lung cancer or something. Oh, wow. And, uh, oh, fuck. No, sorry. I think she has MS. Um, Oh. But, yeah, I just, like... So something bad happened. I'm just looking at uh, uh, that documentary, and there's a lot of people like uh, uh, archive footage, but Glenn Campbell, um, who else is in David Geffen, Jackson Brown, Dolly Parton, Bonnie Raitt, Amy Lou Harris, Don Henley, all Oops. kinds of people in it. Cool. Let's. <laughs> if you just want to meet someone, do a small documentary. There you go. Like if you have a real idol and you're like, I don't know how to get to them, do a small documentary. Because you friends can will talk all. about them, especially if they're kind of old. They're just sitting around not doing anything in their big ass house. True. Hmm. But yeah. So like, he has five writing credits. Um, so he wrote the Times of Harvey Milk and the Common oh. Threads one, and then he also wrote uh, the Celluloid Closet. Okay. Uh, but he didn't direct the Celluloid Closet. Just, you know, yes, he did. Oh, cool. Yes, he did. Yep. So, yeah. Well, he's still doing stuff. Yeah, like I said, his last one was, uh, oh, oh, I was going to say he's Canadian too, but no. He was born in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for those difference. Uh, non-Canadians listening, we do have a province called New Brunswick. Uh this was New Brunswick, New Jersey, though. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, it, this. I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad. I, I think I, I kind of want to watch the uh, the the movie with uh, um, what's his face, Sean, Sean Penn. Penn. Sean Penn. Yeah. Uh, oh. I, I didn't realize Josh Brolin plays uh, Dan. Or, yeah, Dan uh, White. The shooter. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if being those kinds of characters, like someone playing Ted Bundy or 
I don't even know. Uh, just like people who've done obviously bad things to innocent people. Um, if those roles are like, are they rewarding or are they sort of testing? I don't know. Like, does it, does it feel good to have to get into character or to have to do the justice to the rest of the story? Because like one, you can't have one without the other, like John Lennon and David Letterman or whatever. Mark David Chapman. Mark David Chapman. That's That's I was like, wait, what are you talking David about? David Letterman killed John Lennon. Yeah, like Josh Brolin technically could have met this this guy, right? Because he only did a couple yeah. years. Well, uh, he... Yes. So he, he was out. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, he killed himself. Sorry, I yeah, forgot about in, that part. In 85. Yeah. Sorry, never mind. But yeah, that is weird. Huh. Do you think he saw this movie? In heaven? Maybe, oh, this dog? Maybe that's why he uh, he did yeah. He's like, you guys betrayed me all wrong. I did it for other. <laughs> you need to get my side of Way story. worse reasons. So he passed away on October 21st of 85. Uh, and Times of Harvey Milk came out in... If this came out shortly after, that's some great PR. Times of Harvey came... So basically a year before... Um, Dan White killed himself. Oh, he for sure saw this. October 26, 84. Yeah. He got this VHS and popped her in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine, imagine watching it. Oh, man. Watching it with your buddies and you're like, dude, you, I'm in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you said you did this other, like, you worked at a convenience store in San Francisco. You didn't say you did all this shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm That's just cool. I'm looking at the cast of uh, Milk, the one with Sean Penn, and it is like a huge cast. Like Sean P- Penn plays Harvey Milk, James Franco plays a character named Scott Smith, Josh Brolin, Dan White, Emil Hirsch, Cleve Jones, Diego Luna, Jack Lira, uh, Allison Pill uh, plays uh, a character. Uh, oh, <laughs> so. Emil Hirsch plays Cleve Jones, and Cleve Jones plays someone else. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's funny. And then Victor Garber, the Canadian legend, plays um, Mayor uh, Moscone. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, lots cool. of uh, lots of big actors. Yeah, I want to watch it just to see how accurate it is. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Well, we should uh, we should watch it, and we will report back uh, at a later date. Yeah, sure. Can we drink milk while we watch it? So th- that was a great. Part. So I don't know if it was. I think it was on a shirt he had or a sign, and it said like "Vote for Harvey Milk," and there was like a little milk carton in the the bottom corner. <laughs> yeah, he would have had like the coolest logos. Yeah. I can't remember if it, I think it was on a on a shirt if I if I remember correctly, but. Yeah, so he had a he had a logo. It was a milk carton. Fuck yeah! That's he awesome. used the slogan at one point: "Got Jewish milk." Oh, oh really? <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Like yeah. Never that. See, that's another shame. Like he had the best, like most marketable name ever. Yeah, yeah. It just so, gives a whole new meaning to the phrase "Don't cry over spilled milk." Oh. No. I almost cried over spilled milk. Someone definitely yeah. said that. I, that. I mean, I got a little choked up at this documentary. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I yeah, I would watch it again, and I would recommend it to anyone. For sure. Absolutely. Cool. Um, yeah. No, I, I would do it. And I think 
for people just to see the type of person Harvey Milk was, uh, I think uh, is well worth it alone. Oh, I, <laughs> I almost forgot to say my favorite thing. Um, I the beginning of the documentary starts with uh, newscast, like a short. Um, what was that called? Press conference, yeah. like an impromptu press conference. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Diana Feinstein. Diane Feinstein, yeah. Diane Feinstein, um, maybe one or two other city council members or supervisors uh, were on camera saying that Mayor Moscone and Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. And then it immediately switches to like hazy slow mo footage of when he's doing the parade um, for Pride Day or. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, he was sitting on top of the car and then his own narration begins because he pre-recorded oh, on a yeah. cassette his wishes his will. specifically yeah. if he was assassinated. Whoa. He sat down with a tape recorder and just spoke his last wishes and he tried to describe in as many words as appropriate his beliefs and what he was really working towards and not, not only is he sort of this might be weird to say but like a great writer but he was just a really uh compassionate speaker like yeah you tell that this like this is the kind of speech that you would read about in a history book but i think that's just because he knew exactly every aspect of what he was talking about he right. had a good education he got into politics young and he just was mentored by the right people. He not only had uh, a difficult to grapple with social difference and that he was a homosexual, but he also was Jewish and he wasn't from around there either. Yeah. So, but he, he rose above all that stuff and it, it turned out to be that he was um, just a, a really important person uh so and like so when you have a, a recording like that it just yeah super rare because like we have quotes and stuff by um like churchill or bertrand russell like important people in history uh and there's a point where we don't have recordings and yeah about something so important too like his like prophetic um anticipation of this happening specifically and then it does yeah that's pretty crazy but like so when that kicks in like he's a good speaker he's a good writer and i feel like you really give a shit yeah yeah and that's one thing i i wish the document had touched on more is like that that speech a little bit um because yeah like that is extremely prophetic like to to think Twelve, like I think it was a month before, or twelve months before, uh, he was assassinated. That he, he yeah. sat down and wrote this, like, okay, uh-huh. guys, this is if I get assassinated, this is my last will and testament, and laid it all out, uh, and like very eloquently, like uh, like Christian said. Um, but yeah, that's a crazy thought. Like, that's like one of us having the forethought, like, oh, geez, you know, like if something happens to me, I'm gonna do this and. Obviously, it's probably a coincidence that it happened twelve months later, um, but yeah, like to to think that this is actually a possibility, right? Yeah, is crazy. 
Yeah, that's freaky. Yeah. And then to like to wake up every day and go to work, like it's you just gotta keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like that would be a, a weird state of mind to be in. Yeah. And and you know, and I know this was a, a Harvey Milk uh documentary and they touched on the the mayor a, a little bit, but um everything that they said about the mayor, like seemed like that's what cities like San Francisco and Toronto, any city like that needs like two people who really seem like they actually give a shit about mm-hmm. what's going on in the city uh, and not there for their own benefit or, or gains. Because um, these two guys seem like people who really didn't care about gaining anything for themselves. Yeah. Really yeah. Helping anybody, no matter, you know, black, white, Latino, gay, straight, like whoever. As a city as a whole, they wanted to to make the yeah. whole city better, um, which is crazy. It's hard to believe that that's not more common, right? Yeah, it would have had so much pushback and been like, "We got to do that." Like, but why? And then, like, because like the Puerto Rican community's people too. And yeah. Like, yeah, but I mean, are they? And like, holy Jesus! Like, this is crazy that we're even having this discussion. Yeah, which is a sad reality of. Yeah, most guys would have had to have it endlessly. Yeah, yeah that that is the saddest reality of the world we live in today. That we're we're shocked when we come across people in history that were like that. Yeah, you're like fuck. Why why can't we have people like that today? That's what we need. Um, Instead, you have mayors that are smoking crack, uh, like Toronto's former mayor, Mister Ford, uh, or no. That happened mayor, in the states too. Yeah, mayors like the Detroit mayor who got a, uh, in trouble for drugs and uh, and other kind of corruption. Like people, I would say a lot of people go into <laughs> into politics or whatever for their own benefit rather than the benefit of others, which is yeah. Terrible. It is. It is kind of interesting to think though that like, is there really then a sane person out there or someone? who sort of really understands how things work right now that would go into being the mayor of a city like Detroit and thinking, Oh, I'm going to eliminate crime or drug Mm -hmm. drug trafficking. Like that's, that's crazier than saying like, well, like, what do you expect? Like there's are millions of people and like, we're not that good yet. Like people still sell drugs. There are still things like gangs and mafias. So like, if you go into that mayorship or even the race being like fucking my little pony farts and rainbows and be like, I'm going to be uncorrupt. Like as it stands, it's shitty to say, but that's crazier than going in being like, all right, like sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Right up Detroit. (laughs) <laughs> they kind of touched on like um when Dan White uh left um the council um, in position um they said so one of the people they interviewed said Dan White just didn't know that you needed certain like back scratching like you scratch my back I'll scratch yours right um so you have to do that but with the best of intentions right like you can't right. go in there and be a saint because, yeah, someone's not going to like that and you're going to get pushback. But you have to do it for all the right reasons. Yeah. So I think it was, 
pretty pretty rare but um pretty obvious that i think harvey milk definitely did it for the right reasons sure. too and uh, yeah so like he was he was just more aware yeah it would have it would have been really interesting to see where his career in politics would have taken him yeah absolutely yeah. And, and i think the world um was cheated out on on that opportunity like i think um you know it, it's easy to say our world would be a better place had he gone bigger and and um more um more powerful jobs um hell maybe he comes to the governor of california maybe he and maybe he fails at that maybe yeah. his altruistic uh views don't work on that kind of level but at least he wanted to help everyone and not just uh um kind of be there for himself yeah, yeah. I think too, like pretty classically, um, people like a good leader, right? Like whether they like it or not, most people like to know subconsciously that that leader role is satisfied because that's the essence of safety. Yeah. That's literally the basis of that. We are communal animals. Yeah. So yeah. it like, yeah, we got God and our leader's good. Oh, we're good. <laughs> yeah. So like if you got someone up there like Harvey Milk, who seems to just even play the showman of that he cares about people, which takes, I think, some real practical work. You can't just stand there while an old woman crosses the street and say, I care that someone helps her. Like, you actually kind of have to do it. So yeah. it's, it's more work than um, it sounds like, but uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a cool guy. What do we have next week? I just pulled it out. Tyler looks. Dun, 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 it dun, is. Do you need your glasses? Dun, dun. It's called California Typewriter. A California Typewriter? Is that some sexual maneuver? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a documentary with uh, Tom Hanks and John Mayer and uh, yeah it's just literally about a typewriter yeah <laughs> like a screenwriter's typewriter one in particular yeah. the old s3 4000 was the yeah. best one let me uh, let me pull up the IMDB page and we will get a uh, sense of what this is about so That's California fine. typewriter is a story about people whose lives are connected by typewriters the film is a meditation on creativity and technology featuring Tom Hanks, John Mayer, oh. Sam Shepard, David McCullough, and others. Tom wow. Hanks, I gave my sweet rapper son one of these typewriters. So I he, do I do I know that uh, that Tom Hanks is like a huge um, typewriter like collector. Like He uses typewriters a lot. Oh, so really? I did I know like that. A typewritist? A typist he's the typewriter oh. yeah it'd be yeah. funny if he just like pays an assistant to t he just <laughs> likes the sound like why don't you just get an app like what the fuck are you doing but yeah that's cool yeah i can't um, say i've ever watched a documentary on, on typewriters. typewriters so apparently california typewriter is a is a company like oh uh, cool they, all right they made typewriters do they still make them oh uh, I was going to save this for the uh, the episode. They closed in 2020. So, oh, yeah. shit. 
When did this doc come out? Twenty. Candy hit everyone hard. So my little thing here says twenty seventeen, but IMDb says twenty sixteen. So I'm gonna go with IMDb. Oh shit! Yeah. Cool. Isn't that weird that that doc comes out? We were just talking about Anvil earlier, and how when I was at the show. Steve Cudlow said that ever since that documentary came out, it's changed everything. Yeah. They all are able to quit their jobs. That's oh, when that's they awesome. found that uh, new basis. It was still with them now. Um, yeah, but like it, it totally changed everything. Cool. Oh, not for California typewriter. Yeah, well, so, so I, that's what I'm thinking. So I think <laughs> California typewriter. Maybe they were like against black people or something. So they had like <laughs> weird corporate practice. I think California typewriter is a shop. Um, so I think I was wrong when I said manufacturer. I think they sold typewriters. Oh, not the manufacturer. That makes sense, though. That's crazy that they were still in business for that long. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, you just need a, a hundred monkeys. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, that's yeah. That's <laughs> like a totally non-violent, dangerous uh, experiment. I wonder if anyone's ever tried to do it. I was just thinking then. Hmm. Uh, I'm not a very good writer, so they could probably do that. Than... Some like Russian communist crazy Soviet dude that yeah. did it. Like, Although, you imagine like a hundred monkeys in the same room? Oh, that's There's cool. like a bullpen at a, like a stock market exchange or yeah. and and then, be the like same, a newspaper. It's the same noise. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've never watched a documentary about a typewriter. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, change so, all of our lives. Did, <laughs> did you know that John Mayer and Bob Saget were like extremely good friends? Really? No. Yeah. So it's cool. John yeah. Mayer seems like such a cool guy, man. Like in, back in the day when he was on the Chappelle show. Yeah. And then like even now, he just like will be at a Chappelle show. They're like, oh man, this guy seems so awesome. Yeah. So Netflix has uh, like a Bob Saget like memorial show uh, that they did. Yeah, uh, called Dirty Daddy, and okay. it's like uh, Jim Carrey, um, Jeff Ross, um, <laughs> Chris Rock is there. Um, Will oh, Smith? Do they do a the oh. interviews together? <laughs> um, oh, J- uh, Jackson Brown is there. I guess they were really good friends. John Mayer is there. And cool. John Weird. Stamos, obviously. Um, Are they good friends? Yeah. How do they know each other? <laughs> They're, they were the, work colleagues. San Francisco. They went to the same church? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So, okay. You mentioned church, and just to bring it back to, to Milk a little bit. So, like, Harvey Milk and uh, Mayor um, Monsconi were assassinated very shortly after Jonestown. Oh. Yeah. Which Jonestown, that church originated in San Francisco. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. It did. So yeah. God damn um, Jim Jones. Yeah, because they said like the nose of the the nose the news about Jonestown came out and everyone's like, oh fuck, that's crazy. And they killed the politician too. So I don't know if it was a California senator or it was a. I think it was a senator. Right. And then so and then all of a sudden, uh, this Harvey Milk news comes out. So it was very back to back. Um, yeah, bad things. Well, that's American news. That, that is true. That is true. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's sad. Let's look over there. Oh, that's also sad. Let's look up. Oh, no, that's sad. Oh, fuck. 
So yeah, uh, if anyone wants to watch the times of Harvey Milk, and I think all three of us, or at least two of us, uh, suggest you do. And yeah, uh, two of us I mean, suggest that like, uh, a third of us like, does yeah. as well. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, you can rent it on um, YouTube for sure, because that's where I watched it. Uh, I believe yeah. you can get it on Google Play. You can get it from Apple TV. Um, that's so, good that being an older doc, it's still in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. It, this is but probably it, one of the most accessible docs that we've uh, we've had so far. Nice. Yeah, I did try to get it on Prime, and it didn't go through. It's a states only yeah. thing, uh, and it's also a Criterion. Correct. Yeah. So oh, you can cool. stir, uh, I think you can stream it there, and you can, you can also can get the DVD. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so, cool. So well, very, uh, yeah, very accessible for all of our listeners. Um, so give it a, give, I mean, it's it was three bucks to rent on on YouTube. It, it's well worth uh, paying three dollars to cheaper to than a bag of milk. That's right. <laughs> Nobody outside of Ontario gets that joke. They're like, "What the fuck is a bag of milk?" Yeah, that sounds so gross. Yeah. Oh God, it's a bag of milk. Yeah, yeah. I get it now. <laughs> um, yeah. So give it a watch. Um, as always, uh, we have our spreadsheet uh, on our Twitter um, pinned to the top. You can go on and uh, see a link to any of uh, the documentaries. Sometimes they are wrong, but uh, if you do find one that's wrong before we watch it, let us know. Um, speaking of Twitter, go follow us at 3dudespod.com, or not .com, at 3dudespod on Twitter. And, uh, yeah. And we'll be uh, we'll be back with some some typewriter stuff next week. Cool. What do you guys think about that? Let's type away. That's... I got nothing, but I mean, I, I would say, have you guys ever used a typewriter? But obviously, probably. But like, have you guys ever used a typewriter extensively? No, extensively. I've like messed around with one. I don't think I've ever anyone that I've messed around with like didn't have cartridge in it. I got I got one here on the shelf. I don't know if it works or not, but oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen, we'll be back next week. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Later.